You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Pause on the Play is a podcast designed to get you thinking and being differently having conversations to break down the hard things and get you into action, bringing the diversity of diversity, imperfect allyship, company culture, and imposter syndrome into the conversation in a way that you can listen to and hear yourself being a part of it because you're not being talked at because these conversations are a part of your imperfect action. It's the entire point. And to make sure that we can continue to bring you this value, and make sure that everyone else that wants and needs to hear us can find us. I would love for you to show us some love over on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and share with a friend. Give some fuel to the podcast engine so we can keep the dialogue going. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may have been unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So with so many things changing, I mean, everything is changing, nothing is the same anymore. Um, A lot of the ways and locations as to where people are working and how they're working, who they're working with or lack thereof. There's a lot of shifts with that. And there's a lot of mental health things that can come up with that. There's a lot of ability issues and concerns that can come up with that. But more than anything, this really shows up in a way to where you can't physically see people as much as you could. So how does that play into how people are being emotionally seen? Do they feel as though they matter? And so if they don't feel seen, then it's likely that they're not seeing others. And this becomes a bit of a breeding ground for this to kind of have miscommunications, misunderstandings, and just an overall lack of communication and connection coming up. And it's just not helpful. And, you know, we talk a lot about the fact that it's just never helpful to stay in this place to where It's only what you see, it's only what you think, only what you feel, only what you know. And I thought that it would be very helpful to bring someone in to kind of talk about this with us. And this lovely lady's name is Alyssa Carpenter. Alyssa has a book coming out on May 11th. And there's a little bit of a caveat there because technically it seems like Amazon might be trying to send it out or has already sent it out. But it is technically scheduled to be released as of May 11th. And it is entitled How to Listen and Be Heard. 
And I love the fact that she titled it that because you can't listen if you're not able to hear. So someone can't listen to you if you're not able to listen to them because what happens is, is at some point, the conduit breaks down. You can't always live on just this one side. Someone else can't always live on the other. So that person that's always just hearing everyone else, they can't be heard. The person that's always talking, you didn't hear anyone around you. So it's so important to talk about the fact that this is a back and forth. And I'm excited to have Alyssa kind of talking about this with me. So I'm going to start off by letting her introduce herself to you. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Erica. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat. I'm glad that you're here. Again, it's one of these things to where I wish I could see people more. The the podcasting world, you don't get to be in person as much, but this does at least least give a way that we can kind of talk and keep some kind of connection going. So thanks for joining me. No, thank you. I'm excited. So I want you to just kind of tell everyone about yourself and, you know, make sure that you tell them about the book, because I think that you outlined and really went over some really important things. Thank you. It's so I'm I'm very very passionate about inclusion. Um, it's it's so interesting, and I can even, you know, just taking that step back. I think oftentimes, and we've talked too about it. There's diversity and inclusion, and then there's belonging, and I think we often bucket DNI together, and they go together. Um, but you can't really have inclusion without diversity, and you can have diversity without inclusion. And really, behind the book, there's personal stories, and it's. It's so strange. I was even talking to people, it almost feels like you're reading my diary a little bit because there's certain stories <laughs> that are very revealing um, about myself, experiences I've had, right, wrong, and different. There's 41 stories of other incredible individuals just sharing how they've either felt marginalized or created more inclusive workspaces. Um, it's really tangible. So my goal with the book is it's 16 chapters where you can really not only learn information, but you have these phrases, you have these things that you can use and actually take away from. And, you know, I started the business in a different direction. My business name is everything's not okay. And that's okay. Which quite frankly, very much resonates with most people at this point. Um, more of coaching young professionals to help them feel seen and feel heard at work. And it quickly shifted to me working with companies and organizations because they were reaching out to really recruit and retain and engage their employees. So this book is really bringing all of those those pieces really together. And I have um, a certificate program with it as well. So the Inclusive Workplace Communication Certificate Program that even brings it more to life. So I'm just very excited, <laughs> very passionate about this topic. It's a, and it's a topic that, uh, again, and I mean, you made a really good point in that, you know, diversity and inclusion are not standalone things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that you have these almost kind of anecdotal stories that are really giving somebody a, a bit of a key in into what it looks like actually happening. I think those pieces are important because it's very easy for someone to think it's a check the block. Let's do this. We're, we're fine. You know, kind of like compliance in a very disconnected way. And that's not what it is. And um, the fact that it's, it's the people that are working in the workplace and it's the workplace itself. And these things work together and that synergy needs to be there in order for it to actually achieve the outcome. And I think I, and I, I think that you did a really good job of going into tangible pieces, but also some of those kind of mindset and what can feel to some maybe more airy-fairy, a little harder to grasp, because for some people, they're like, well, but I said it, and I mean, I thought it was fine. I didn't have a big deal about it. And that's where, you know, 
you're kind of having these conversations to get people to think differently and to go beyond what they have categorized as normal and what they have categorized as acceptable and being able to consider that just because you have decided that this doesn't exist or it can't happen or it's not the norm that, you know, you don't want to invalidate someone else's way of being. And so you had a um, statistic in the beginning that I thought was extremely helpful to really drive the point home. And it was that according to Gallup state of the American workplace report, only 30% of employees strongly agree that their opinions count at work. That's a low number. It is a really low number. That essentially means like one in three, one in four, some weird three point something, but you know, we don't have these people or anything. So I'm gonna say one in three, just to make it simple. Only one in three people feel as though there, you know, anything that they say is actually kind of being put into play. And to me, that's something to really acknowledge and to say, okay, so what is it about these other two people where they don't feel like they're being hurt? They don't feel like they're, they're being taken into account. And what is it that has actually kind of gotten us to this point that this type of percentage is is a representation of where we well I don't know if it's where we are or where we were pre-quarantine but in some ways still where we are it's it was such an eye-opening statistic to me but I wasn't even really surprised when I took the step back and realized you know it kind of makes sense in a way because we're, you know, you live in your bubble a little bit at work and you, you know, have your head to the ground, you're doing your work, you're in your office, you're going to meetings, you're doing all these things. And sometimes as a leader, and I've noticed it too from other people, you're, you're doing what you, you need to do and you think that you're creating the space where people feel valued and people feel heard. But oftentimes, unless we're asking questions and we're proactively saying, you know, what do you think about this situation? Is there something that we can add or what issues are you facing or what fires have you put out or what do you need my help with? People don't think that they can say it and there might not be that time and that space to do it because it's not always going to be in that team meeting or during the one-on-one conversation. There might be a different agenda or something else might come up. So it's really interesting to kind of look at that statistic and realize most of your workforce doesn't feel like they're valued, right? That their opinions count, that they matter, that they're even given a voice to share. And when they're sharing that we're doing something. And I see it so often with my clients too, who have done engagement surveys and given them out and saying, you know, we started this, this is great. We're finding this information. And then essentially sweep the results under the rug and either pretend that they're not happening or don't do something from it. And that makes it worse, right? You know, asking people for their opinion or what do you need my help with? And then just putting the pause on it and shifting to something else. And I know I've been, you know, a part of that working for organizations and spent so much time really trying to be honest um, about what was happening and then just nothing came. And it's, it's so disheartening um, and makes inclusion worse, you know, than it was before. And then people are afraid to say something or don't bother because it doesn't matter in the long run. And you, you bring up a, a good point in that. I think part of it is that the questions aren't being asked, but it's, it's the then what, you know, you have this data or you have this information that people were willing to share with you and kind of what happens next. And, um, I'd actually want to hear kind of a little bit of your take on kind of where that breakdown happens between, yes, this matters. We want this information and where that just kind of doesn't 
actually translate into action. And I think, unfortunately, and it's like some of the organizations that I've worked with too, they're incredible organizations. And then diversity and inclusion becomes a let's do this in November type of thing, or let's do one training or two trainings. Cause we said, you know, our employees say that it's really important. And then we check the box and we think we're good when we've just scratched the surface a little bit. It takes time and energy and it's really a concentrated effort from, you know, the top to, you know, the bottom to make these really big cultural shifts within an organization. And especially, you know, things get turned upside down, especially now, you know, there are other priorities um, that seem to take place. And then we just kind of slip this between the cracks. And I think, you know, sometimes even now, like days seem really long, but weeks seem really short and months go by quickly. So, you know, an issue that that comes up, we're not always taking that time to, you know, address it. There might be another priority that comes up to take its place, which is really, really unfortunate because it leads to high turnover, as you can see, like the lack of engagement in employees. And statistically, employees want to work for organizations that are diverse, that are inclusive. We're talking about productivity and profitability. Um, It's much more increased for diverse and inclusive organizations. But until people really see that and see that value, it seems to be hard to put that at the forefront um, of some other like cash flow projects or other priorities that seem to come into play. Um, and actually, I think that's important right now because we're we're seeing, let's use government as an example right now, saying things like there's more important things than living. And so money is being put ahead of, you know, well-being or some of these other types of things. At least that's what these types of statements can infer. So you know, at a time like this, when people are very much feeling as though they have to choose between money and, you know, culture or some of these things that are less tangible, um, you know, what do you think can make sure that they are not leaving this on the table and how this, you know, because then in my opinion, it can kind of come back and bite you later, but how can they still make sure it's a priority? I've had so many conversations lately about this very thing, and it's so disheartening, and I've been up late at night kind of worrying about this topic, and as states are very different in terms of coming back and not coming back, and I'm in Pennsylvania, and the county I'm in, um, I think will be a while for us to be home, and even as employees, it's so tough to make the decision, let alone like childcare and things that you have now that your children aren't in school or don't have daycare, um, you know, making the choice of do I put my family at risk and go to work um, because now I can and I can't collect unemployment or do I stay home? Like those are quite like big, big, big questions that I've been just asking and I've seen people, you know, struggle with firsthand. And it has to, in my opinion, really come from the top down. Leadership needs to, and I think we've been afforded the opportunity when we're asking people, how are you? You know, usually get the good, I'm fine. Even, you know, when we were first talking and then it's like, wait, but how are you doing with homeschool? Or how are you doing with this? You know, <laughs> we yeah. have common connections. And then that curtain gets like pulled back a little bit. And then you give a little bit more of yourself and you can have those conversations. I think we've been given this I don't want to say opportunity or chance to truly ask those questions as leaders of, you know, what do you need from me? Uh, What are resources that can we provide that would be helpful? And I've seen companies who have extra laptops, you know, shipping them out to their employees to be able to use with their kids or sending gift cards to supplement, you know, meals and get you to like grocery stores and things like that because their partner is out of the job. I've seen just wonderful things with humanity, but we have to bring that. We have to actually 
you know, empathize or share. And these are emotions or things that we weren't necessarily using or you know, doing before, depending what type of mm-hmm. leader you are. Um, but, but you have to, right? I think we just have to be more human. We're all going through the same thing, but experiencing it differently um, in terms of our family units and our emotions. And we need to ask those questions. And don't forget, even though you can't see people, there's somebody at that other end of the email. There's somebody at the other end of that Zoom call that's not sharing their camera. They're human. Um, we need to start to have conversations as if they're human. Agree. I agree. And and you're right. I think it, it is very easy to just kind of do the, oh, it's fine because you know if I complain, it doesn't do any good. But it's like, is it complaining or is it stating what the reality of your situation is and giving someone else the opportunity to possibly support you if that's there or to connect you with the person that could support you. And I think, you know, honestly, it goes back to the title of the book and it's how to listen and be heard. And this is where, you know, we have that personal responsibility to allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to actually speak our truth knowing that it's, you know, there's someone on the other end of that conversation or that Zoom call or that phone call that is willing to listen. And I think that now is one of those times that, you know, while it's sadly not as surprising to me as it may be to some what that 30% look like that does feel seen, you know, this is a time when, again, people aren't actually being seen, like from a literal standpoint right now. So, you know, is there anything that you think businesses or brands or entrepreneurs should consider to try to foster that visibility when visibility almost seems like an obsolete thing with the current state? I love how you brought up vulnerability because it does go two ways, right? So when we ask somebody, how are you? And you know, you want to get that information, you need to give a little bit of yourself too. So as a leader in an organization, we can do that. I think, you know, thinking there's going to be the internal communication and external communication. And even if you're thinking about, you know, from customers and trying to really put yourself out there, I think the behind the scenes part is huge, right? What you're doing for the community, how you're giving back, um, small or big, whether, you know, we've seen distilleries changing and they're making hand sanitizers or people making PPE, like all these things are are huge and showing and, and sharing that or asking, you know, employees, what do they need? How do they want to give back? What causes are they passionate about really makes, I think, a huge difference. Even in um, creating video content, I was um, sharing even the other day, I belong to a local bar studio and it's part of a franchise and I could for a a very nominal fee belong to that franchise and take online workout classes, but I'm choosing to stay with and paying the fee to be taught by the instructors who I was before um, for that community, for them, you know, shouting out your name and they actually create it and you can internally as well create a video of, we miss you. We hope you're doing well. How is everything? It's just remembering why you're part of that company. You know, what is that mission? What is that vision that's driving you and having the senior leaders just, you know, piece together either a silly video or, you know, them with their kids. I've seen so many people, Um, Thank you Thursdays, fun Fridays, just ways to share what's going on in their lives personally or or wins that they've had professionally. You have to bring that extra element and you have to be more proactive. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people don't love video, but now's the time to try. (laughs) People are very forgiving. Um, Try that video, try those pictures. It's that makes us more human. Add a picture in your email signature if you haven't before. Really easy to do, but then you can see that there's somebody else on that other side. 
I think you brought up something that um, also draws a parallel to something I talk about a lot, which is voting with your dollars. And I think that, um, and for those that may not have heard me mention that voting with your dollars is essentially being able to actually choose where your money is going and being aware of, you know, the businesses and the companies and individuals that you're supporting, uh, you know, the things that they stand for and just kind of knowing that your money is going into places and people that you want to foster the things that matter, the types of message that you want to encourage. And I think even though we don't have maybe some of the same types of, uh, you know, access to things right now, it is also making people be more uh, purposeful Mm -hmm. with what they are choosing to put their money into. You know, if it's that small business that you go to on Friday nights or whatever, an easy one is a taco Tuesday. You still go get your taco Tuesday. Um, but you know, I, I think that that's an important thing. And for some people, I think that it could feel really big to actually go back and audit who you were giving your money to, to kind of know, um, that you were supporting the things that matter to you, but now is also a very good time to be cognizant of the money that you do have and the clients that you do have, making sure that there is transparency around what matters to you. And are you supporting small businesses? Are you supporting local businesses? Is it businesses that are owned by, um, you know, people of color? Do they have certain types of give back components that matter? What are the things that they are supporting? And so I think it's important to not only know where your money is going, but for people to know what it is that you support. And so that when they're investing in you, that is there. And to me, that's a part of that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of kind of being clear. And I think that that's a part of what builds and creates a base for culture within a brand. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And even now, you know, even getting that video from the bar studio and I've you know directed and talked with other clients about creating something similar is, you know, where that money is going. You see now these people's families, right? You know that you buying that product or getting takeout from that restaurant is helping that family, right? You're supporting that business and you it's so impactful as you see a direct line to what you're doing. And I'm, I'm hoping as we continue forward that social impact, be, you know, becomes huge, right? People are, you have um, clothing distributors then creating masks and, you know, buy one, give one for that, for that concept. And I'm hoping that continues. And I've seen, you know, an uptick in small businesses if, they're including a mask in their product. People are more likely to purchase that mm. shirt as if it was a lower cost, you know, for that mask. It wasn't that expensive to manufacture. So if you're hurting for business, really think creatively how you can give back in a cost-effective way, even asking your customers, your clients, what is meaningful or impactful to them to see if there's a way to fuse, you know, those causes together to give back. I'm glad you just said what you said because I think that figuring out kind of what the want and what the need is, is important versus I'm going to do a bunch of things that maybe no one has asked for and no one actually needs. Because I think that there has been um, kind of this trend with some of the um, businesses out there that are just either giving away everything for free or doing a bunch of things that people don't actually want right now. They don't actually need. And it can, it can sometimes contribute to a lot of noise. I know when the quarantines were kind of really first starting um, that we all kind of got locked down at different points, but there was a point to where like you couldn't open your inbox without somebody's email 
that you didn't subscribe to. We were like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my God. And I'm just like, if I open one more email that says COVID-19 or coronavirus in the headline, I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. You're out. You're done. I'm I'm not doing this with you because it was too much. And I think that it, it is important to actually know Mm-hmm. What do your people want? What are they asking you for? What do they need? And that can't happen if there is no conversation. That can't happen if there's no dialogue. And to me, there is no connection that can happen if there is no talking and listening going on. And this is where, like, I'm, you know, no matter what people will come to me and want to do within, you know, a company, I want to make, you know, community guidelines or any of these things. If there's no dialogue happening and you don't actually know who you're creating this for and why you're creating it, what's the goal? You know, what is it that they want? Not just what you want, but it's like, it, it it just doesn't happen. And so I, I think that there's, this is such a pivotal time for really honing in on things that were important before, but it's so important right now to actually listen to the people that work for you, the people that work with you, the people that you're serving, and also being clear on what it is that you as the individual within this scenario, you know, what are these things for you as well? Because I don't think any of this can happen if there's just not that clarity there. And again, going back to that vulnerability at a time when we need vulnerability. And it's huge, right? And even, you know, you're talking about right now in terms of like giving back, you know, where we are with, with COVID, you can even ask your employees, what is something that you're passionate about? What is something that you notice? Can you reach out to your networks on your own social media and see, you know, what is the shortage of resources? And I know I made my mistake and I'm sure I'm continuing to make it. I want to give back and I want to do things and provide resources, but there's no lack of webinars. <laughs> There's no lack of, you know, mm-hmm. those types of things, but is there a missing topic or niche or something or some way and giving your employees the power to either conduct something, you know, asking what is something that you're hearing a lot of, what is something that is meaningful to you that you don't think that you're getting support in. You know, at first it seems you you see employees not engaged and you're like, okay, I'm just going to let them, you know, do this or do that. But if we're not asking, a lot of the times when I'm working with clients, it's like a casual Friday. They just want to wear jeans. Like they don't know why they have to wear mm-hmm. you know, a suit on Fridays or if they're not client facing ever. It's if we're not asking those questions and we're making assumptions, we're spending a lot of money, time and resources and changing things that people don't want. And it just adds to the problem. It doesn't take away from it. So whether it's a formal engagement survey or just conversations of if, you know, you had $500, what would you, what professional development program would you have? Or what would you put it towards? Or, you know, let people think and ask questions. And I think you'd be very surprised by, I mean, you're going to have pie in the sky stuff for sure, but you'll probably have some very tangible, small tweaks, like adding Splenda as well as the sugar, you know, in the coffee room, silly things that will make a big difference. And this is where I think it is important to actually let people tell their own story versus having you write it for them. Because in a lot of cases, it's just like, oh yeah, this is all they want or this is all they need. Or yeah, I mean, I overheard this. And it's like, did you overhear pieces of something that wasn't part of something fully in context? Or did you actually ask the question and wait for that space for the person to actually give you their honest answer and not just the answer that maybe they thought you wanted to hear or what was the, you know, I'm really busy and I'm just answering like, what's the, yeah, this is really what's going on answer. 
And I think that with the, what's the word? With just the entire structure, as we know business to be done in a lot of ways being shifted, I think people do have to shift the way that things are doing and I mean being done and, mm-hmm. you know, also being willing to just kind of do things sometimes and just find out because I'm an advocate for imperfect allyship and imperfect action. And so I don't think that you purposely just kind of do asinine things just to say, Oh, I was just trying, <laughs> but from a place of still being willing to be in action versus I have to wait for the perfect thing in order to do anything. And I think that a lot of things that I saw in the book really did give you that space to kind of talk about what does it look like to do things with the best of intentions, but if it doesn't go well, then you focus on impact versus intent. And I think that that's important right now because that can happen very easily. Especially too with, you know, written versus oral communication. I see it so often, um, you know, you're trying to read between the lines or really understand what somebody's saying in an email or text, um, which is happening more than ever, you know, right now. Obviously, we've had tons of email before, but now it almost seems like people feel like they can access people at all times because we know <laughs> we're not outside the house. and. Mm-hmm you know, unless you're using emojis or exclamation points or, you know, something else, there really isn't a way to truly understand what somebody is saying. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask the question. If you're not sure, you're unclear, maybe you hop on a Zoom call, maybe you pick up the phone, right? There's only so many back and forth emails um, you could have, and it just leads to more, really more and more frustration. And I, I do want to circle back to your point about the intent versus impact, because I, I think it's something that we don't always think about. And you're, you're completely right. I don't think people are malicious, right? At nature, it's more of their, really their intent was something different, but the impact it made um, was really different. And we have to acknowledge the impact of our messages and not diminish them, right? People, if they come to you and they feel a certain way, that's how they truly feel. And we do have And I know I've had, and I talk about in the book, this instinct to almost defend what you were saying because it wasn't the intent of your message, but truly letting people vent and share and really have a partnership to work through what's been said. And I, and I agree. And I think, um, you know, it's very easy right now for a lot of assumptions to be made. So just for example, um, you'll have people with marketing messages right now that will say, oh, you know, you're at home and you have so much time. And it's like, well, you don't actually know that that's true for everyone. You don't know, you know, how many people are in the household that are or are not actively having to work right now. You don't know if there are any um, individuals, children, um, you know, grandparents, elders, or otherwise that need care. You don't know, you know, if someone is possibly ill, like you don't know what people's reality is. And I feel like that's a pertinent example right now of people, you know, just kind of assuming that, oh, you have all this time. And it's like, do, do I though? Because it's well, not really true. Part of your language to do this. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you have more than 24 hours? Like where, or I'm saying <laughs> mine wrong or something. <laughs> yes. And so this is where you don't want to make that assumption. That is where you do want to ask those questions and you want to make sure that you are making statements based on your lens or your experiences or what your current circumstances are or the circumstances relevant to what you're speaking of. And so I, again, I think that that's extremely 
relevant to, uh, you know, a number of things that pop up within the book because of the fact it's not just one sided. Mm-hmm. And so be, and because the problem is, is that, I mean, I, when I went through the book, I, and I literally was reading it on my iPad and I'm highlighting and there's a lot of turquoise highlight going <laughs> through this book. <laughs> there's a ton of it. And this is, that actually happens to be my favorite thing about reading it that way, because I can go back and make those notes and highlight mm-hmm. and really know. And so for you and the experiences that you've had that led to you writing it and what kind of gave you that motivation to write it. If you were to maybe have some things that stand out to you that you would, you know, suggest to the readers when they get their copy, you know, this is a really good part that I think is helpful right now, or this would really be able to support you. Like what are, you know, like two or three of the things that you think are really substantial to go into right now? I think even just the power that we all have, um, regardless of position, um, earlier on in my career, I just didn't realize, you know, the power that you have and don't realize. Everybody can create more inclusive spaces and bring more diversity to the mix, whether it's race, ethnicity, ethnicity, gender, um, even diversity of thought. I think, you know, if you're starting out at work or you've been there for 30 years, I think we all have the power to do a part in a different way and adjust the way we work. Um, So I wanted to make that in the book with tangible pieces as takeaways. I think the other part is even though I would consider myself, um, I want to say a nice person, that's not even, you know, I'm always (laughs) trying to come across, you know, with a good intent and be very mindful um, of what I say. But I think that can be in some ways, you know, avoiding conflict and not wanting to say something that could offend someone. So then not having the conversation and not initiating or not asking questions. And I want to give people the tools to be able to do that and to build that confidence to, to say something, to do that. And then on the flip side, if you've offended somebody in that space, like what to do and how, you know, to have those conversations, because I, I don't think it's things we were ever taught, even in professional development programs or, you know, in grad school, anything psych courses I've taken, we're not really given those tools to equip us for those difficult work conversations that can be awkward and just change the way we really get to know each other. I agree. One of the things that I think that stood out to me that I think I would kind of want to leave people um, as an important thing to go into and listen to in there um, in the book is you talked about the differences from a place of it being kind of um, a generational gap. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I think that type of thing is important is because I do think that sometimes people can say, okay, well, you look different than me. So, uh, okay, I, I can maybe easily see that, but sometimes the generational piece can lay, can lead to some things that people don't always consider from the point of view of like your work ethic is different than mine. You navigate um, technology different than I do. Your risk and reward kind of factors show up differently than me. So I think that it's important right now with the way that we work and who we're working with and that that kind of context of it shifting that you want to not only think about, you know, you know, the possibility of someone's race, gender, age, marital status, economic status, things like that being something that plays into how they process things, but also these other things that you can't so easily see from the point of view of like, okay, well, 
what does matter to you? You know, this person looks like they're 30. They're, they age great. They're 45. And maybe they just think differently than what you think they do. And this is where the dialogue is coming in. So I think that there's a lot of places to consider what could be different and to just really commit to having that dialogue, to asking those questions, asking for permission to even have the dialogue first. Cause you talked about that multiple times. And I think that was extremely important because people just kind of want to go into stuff and it's like, Whoa, I wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't ready. For that. It's tough too, right? It's so easy to say, you know, let's get these different opinions or let's get feedback, but it's, it's a decision you have to make internally, right? That you want to change or you want to not go with the status quo and you want to really be creative and innovative with your team. And now's the time to do it as we're, you know, maybe transitioning back to work in the, in the coming months. I think you have to give yourself permission to be wrong. You have to give your team position mm -hmm. to fail, to try new things, but it is, it's hard, right? I think if you're used to going with the flow, not making waves to, to start doing that can be rough. And if you're on the flip side, always making waves and you don't want to be around people making waves, like how, you know, how can you find this environment where you can really work in synergy? And even there's a toxic colleague chapter um, about the different toxic colleagues and how you can have those conversations and what types are even worth trying to have conversations about mm -hmm. just behavior. And are you the toxic person, you know, and sharing different vulnerable stories in that situation? Because we're often and I've done it myself, you know, blaming other people when really it's us, right? We're bringing something toxic to work. And I agree. And, you know, it is important to not only consider those, those things on the other side of kind of who those people could be, or maybe how they're perceiving it, but also like that self-reflection of what's my role in this? Who am I being? And that doesn't mean that you are this and there's no space for, for shift or evolution or anything different, but it means that in this situation, this just happened to be the role that you played and what can be done differently and what can you pay attention to, to kind of, you know, adapt that's actually going to be beneficial for everyone because this, this is likely not serving you and it definitely isn't serving others. Uh, and it's taking that ego out of it. And I think, you know, we all have that little bit of ego, whether we want to think we do or not. And yes. it's pulling that out because it's, a lot of this stuff isn't, you know, even what's going on, right. It's not about you specifically getting sick. It's like, everybody, you know, getting sick because of decisions that you've in theory made um, and really, you know, working with other people. When we start to remove that ego out of the picture, we can really have deep, complex and, you know, conversations and, and build up our organizations and be more profitable and be more productive and inclusive. Absolutely. I think this is a point where ego has no choice right now, but to take a back seat because obviously what we're doing is for the collective whole. It's not so much around the individual, but you know, businesses have changed and it's likely that the face of how business is done in a lot of ways is going to change going forward. And it's, it, it may never be what we've known it to be, but I don't necessarily even think that's a bad thing. And in some ways I think it, it can be a great thing. And so it's just being open to the possibility and that evolution and actually listening to what's being called for at that moment. And, you know, you, you just have to be willing to listen. I love that. Yes. <laughs>
So before we go, I want to make sure that you let everyone know where they can find you. Um, make sure that you tell them where to find the book. And I'm a big advocate, especially at times like this, to make sure that you are supporting authors and you're supporting, especially if there happens to be small bookstores that um, have these books. But, you know, this is a place to where, you know, send this to someone that you think, um, you know, you could do it with them. It could be a possible connection with the book club. It could be something that you could do with coworkers to foster that communication, you know, utilizing books as a way of taking in information and learning and communicating and connecting in a way that's not like, going to sit here and take this survey. It's a different way of kind of getting to a similar outcome. So make sure to give everybody all the details. Oh, and thank you so much. I had, I had a great chat. Thank you. And I, and I, you know, wrote it obviously is for individuals, but really more so for teams and organizations. And at the end, there's a humanize your workplace pledge where you can do it as an individual, a team and as an organization to truly show that this can, this is a group effort, right? We all need each other in order to be more inclusive. You can find my information and more information about the certificate program on my website at notokthatsokcoach.com. You can purchase a how, to be, how to Listen and How to Be Heard Inclusive Conversations at Work, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Books, um, really wherever books are sold, it will be there. <laughs> Awesome. And again, this is a conversation that, I mean, it wouldn't be hard to go on for a long time about this. (laughs) So I appreciate the fact that you were able to give me um, and my audience some of your time today. And thanks so much for for bringing all of the amazing information here. Oh, thank you so much. This episode gave you a peek into what conversation is like with me that can support you in the changes that you want to make, whether you are adjusting your company culture creating inclusive hiring frameworks, or looking to begin the process of integrating your business with inclusive and equitable actions, I can help. My Ask All The Things one-to-one coaching package brings us together to collaborate on creating a game plan to get you to your goals. And I said collaborate because these are your goals. I am here to support you, not make you do what it is that I want you to do. This is for you. I give you tangible actions and steps to take combined with energetic check-ins to make sure you don't burn out along the way. You also get accountability support between your calls to keep you on track. I am here to partner with you as you make shit happen. Visit ericacorday.com forward slash services today to learn more. If you enjoyed this podcast, show us some love by subscribing, share with a friend, or come on over and leave us a review. You know that reviews are the fuel to keep the podcast engine going. Let's get more people dropping the veil, challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. As always, we love being here and creating the bridge for you to walk over to become the change that you want to see. So join us next time. And until then, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are 
and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?